1: Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and today is a great show for you. Clarissa Mall is joining me. She is an award-winning writer who helps grieving people find flourishing after loss. She co-hosts Christiane today's Surprise by Grief podcast and hosts Hope Writers, the writerly life podcast, where she encourages writers to craft their own joyful news stories. So she is a podcast pro, and I encourage you to go listen to all of those shows that she's on. Now, Clarissa and I are both Enneagram Sixes, Wing 7, so we immediately bought Bonded. And let me tell you, when I was talking to Clarissa, I felt so seen and so known. We chat about some worst case scenarios and how it can be uncomfortable to talk about loss and grief. You know, Clarissa knows a lot about loss and grief because in July of 2019, her husband Rob died tragically. Years earlier, her husband Rob had written a book called The Art of Dying, Living Fully into the Life to Come. And she recently re-released this book as an expanded edition with an afterword written by her. And I loved this book. I took it and just soaked it in. And I found so much comfort in her husband Rob's words. And today, while talking to Clarissa, I felt so much comfort in talking with her as well. She talks about how grief is this companion that shows up unwelcomed but eventually helps us walk through life. You guys, if you are grieving, you're going to enjoy our conversation. If you have ever grieved, you're going to enjoy our conversation. And if you are human, grief is on the way. You are going to enjoy our conversation. Before we get to this conversation with Clarissa, I wanna remind you that we are about 13 days away from the release into the world of my newest book written just for those kids in your life. It's called God Made You to Be You. You can find this book wherever books are sold. And I would love it if you ordered it ahead of time mm mm-hmm. It always helps up the author by letting the retailers know, hey, we should stock this book. I am so proud of the work in this book. It has been one of the most collaborative teamwork projects that I've ever worked on. And I love that so much. And the message is so dear to me. It's a lot of the same message that I have in my book that I released last year for adults called UBU. And now I get that same message in a book that is built specifically for our kids who are two to six years old to let them know that God made them for a purpose and made them to be exactly who they are, and they don't have to wish to be someone else. I'm telling you, it's a message I want to remind myself of and my children and everyone I talk to over and over and over again. So check out God Made You to Be You wherever you get books. For more information, go to jamieivy.com slash kids. All right, guys, here is one of my favorite conversations in a really long time with my new friend, Clarissa Mall. Clarissa, welcome to the happy hour.
0: This is so fun. Tell everyone who you are and what you do before we dive into our conversation today. So, I'm a mom of four. I live in a little New England town. It's basically Stars Hollow. Uh, we've got a gazebo in the center on the green. We don't have Dossie's Market, but we've got a little hardware store where folks gather, and it's positively dreamy. I love it. I've worked in nonprofit communications for many years and pivoted after my husband's death in 2019 to write to support people who are grieving. So it's been an amazing journey for me and it is a weird topic to talk about, but I figure, you know what? I'm a happy girl. I have a good life and I'm also willing to look at the dark side too, I guess.
1: Well, you are willing to look at the dark side and I'm grateful even just from knowing you via, you know, the great big world of social media. have been so encouraged by your writing post-grief and how do we walk through that in the darkness? And are you familiar with the Enneagram?
0: I am, yes. What number are you? I'm a six wing seven.
1: We are the same person.
0: Uh. <laughs> okay, so maybe
1: you will relate to what I'm about to say. Is I enjoy some people think this is weird about me. I enjoy these conversations about grief and post grief because to me it's preparing me for what is to come. A, to a the six men. wants yes. to be prepared.
0: Uh huh. That is exactly right. We've got all the worst case scenarios charted out already, but you know, there's that bit of seven in us too. That's kind of adventurous. So we're willing to live in spite of all that we think we know about the future. Yes. yes. I feel so known right
1: now because <laughs> when I read your work, I feel comforted and I'm like, is it just me? Or is this like, how does it work? So thank you for comforting me <laughs> in all of my worst case scenarios. Well, listen, I've never seen, I don't even know the show. Stars Hollow. Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. This is a conversation that comes up often with people because they're like, what? You've never seen it. And I've tried with my daughter. and I just can't get into it. But when you talk about your town, it makes me A, want to come visit you and sit in the gazebo and B, maybe dive in to Gilmore Girls world. So sounds dreamy.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. And your four kids ages? 16, 14, 12, and nine. It's a sweet spot. I love it. It is my favorite. I have 17, 16, 15, 13, and it's fun. It's crazy and it's fun Mm -hmm. and
1: all of the above.
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, I get wistful sometimes about those baby years, but I've traded changing diapers for really cool conversations with them. And Mm -hmm. boy, I wouldn't change that for the world. Okay. Well, let's back up a little bit. I
1: actually read this summer a book that your husband, when was this published? Can you tell me? So it was published originally in 2010. Okay, so 2010, this book, *The Art of Dying*. You can see that it has been well read by me. 2010, *The Art of Dying*: Living Fully into the Life to Come by your husband Rob. And you know, you talk in this book about when you and him started dating, and then you know, it must not have been that much longer after you guys have started dating that he starts, you know, wanting to write about this. And one thing that really struck me this summer, I was reading this on a family vacation, and your husband talks in this book about actually having conversations with those you love about what you want the end of your life to be like. Like, and what do you want that to happen? And again, Enneagram six, I'm like, this is speaking my language. Yes, we need to be prepared people. And so I was with my family. And so I told them, I was like, Hey guys, I want to talk about something. <laughs> I just brought it up at the table and I talked about this book and your story, the little that I knew. And my family thought it was really weird. Like they literally were like, this is morbid. Why are we doing this? So I want to hear from you. What was it like, you know, in 2008, 2009, 2010, when your husband is writing a book, the art of dying, was that scary for you? So take me all the way back there and let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we had toddlers at the time. We had toddlers and I had a nursing baby. And talking about death was just something that I was not interested in doing. (laughs) I did not want to think about our life ending as it was. I mean, it felt like we were just starting, really. Mm -hmm. And But Rob had reported with Christianity Today. He was an editor there and had reported on the Terry Shivo case. And so all of this conversation around how Christians approach end of life, what right to die meant, euthanasia all these words were kind of becoming table talk language in our house. And being inquisitive as he was, he was like, all right, I'm diving deep. So he got a job at a funeral home. He became a hospice volunteer. And then we're sort of inundated with death conversation all the time. And being a six, I can imagine all the bad stuff. Like, you don't have to talk to me about Mm -hmm. this. I've got this all figured out. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I've already been here. And yet, you know, he pushed and he pushed for those conversations early to talk about, you know, what would happen to our kids if one of us were gone would we want to remarry what would that look like how were we prepared financially to shoulder the burden of loss and you know there are conversations that i thought were morbid yes and didn't want to have yes but now a decade later as a solo mom a widow i think thank you god that he had the boldness and the tenderness too to want to talk about these things because they were an act of caring that he was trying to take care of us beyond, you know, Mm. what any of us could see. Yeah, I see that
1: act of caring. And even now we're on the other side of that. You know, this book came out in 2010. Your husband passed away suddenly in July of 2019. And so you did have this kind of, I want to say this in the kindest way, this leg up a little bit more than most people with a tragic death, or I should say a sudden death that your husband um, and you guys walk through with, with his passing. But you know, a lot of you are listening and they're like, Clarissa, okay, this is cool. I don't want to talk about this. What is your just encouragement to us who still have each other? today of maybe how to do this. What does this look like? What if there's tension between somebody wanting to talk about this? Because you experienced that tension, I'm sure.
0: That's right. And you know, what sex was for the Victorians, death is for us 21st century people, right? This is our birds and bees conversation. And I think when you think about it like that, it becomes a little less stressful because, you know, you don't sit down with your teenager or your 12-year-old and say, okay, this is our one and done conversation about how this all is going to work. You know, sex in the Christian, this is our, mm-hmm. your one-time seminar. No, it's a series of conversations that you have casually in the car or you know, you do have those heart-to-heart moments. Maybe it's they come into your bedroom late at night and they've got a question and you have that over time. And that's how talking about death really ought to happen, particularly mm-hmm. in Christian relationships, Christian homes, that it's not something that we sit down and we dial in deep and we say, okay, well, we've got it all figured out. But these are conversations that emerge as our faith shifts and grows over time as our understanding of what it means to be, to live in a broken world changes over time. You know, we have different conceptions. We were 24 when we got married and I feel like we were babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now, you at, were babies. <laughs> and now at 43, I think, wow, I see the world so differently now. And those conversations about death that we had sort of what felt like in a vacuum, I might even talk to Rob differently about them now. Mm. So I think when we think about it like that, it makes it a little easier to dip our toe in because we realize we don't have to jump into the deep end and just flounder around and try to swim right away.
1: One thing I appreciated, and it kind of is about what you're talking about here, how it's so hard, difficult for us in this current culture that we live in to talk about death is I appreciated in Ram's book. He said, instead of fighting death until the end, church history teaches us about the good death, one in which a believer seeks to faithfully express her hope in eternal life. It is a tragedy that the church has lost the vision of the good death. We are sending fellow believers into eternity, unprepared for their journey. And so it's like they know their destination, but how do we get there? And I found that so interesting. And it just reiterates the fact of what you're saying. We just don't have these conversations. Like, you know, it's almost like if we don't talk about it, it's not going to happen, you know, and then all of a sudden here you are. And I know it's comforting to me that you were challenged, you know, in the writing of this book. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, if Clarissa can do it, I can do it. But I see the value in it and the importance of it. But I want to talk about your life now, but I do want to give us some context for July of 2019, because I do think, I mean, just we're two women sitting here talking and a lot of women would say, probably besides losing a child, this would be maybe their worst nightmare is to walk through losing their husband. You know, a lot of us would say that would be like my rock and my steady and then in a moment. And so as much as you would love to tell
0: us about that day, I would love to hear what that moment was like for you. Sure. You know, looking back, it looks so different to me now, right? Because we were just on our family vacation and people go on family vacations all the time. And even as a six who's thinking of worst case scenarios, this is not one that I had planned out Mm -hmm. uh, to be 3000 miles away from home and not receive a call back. Uh, Rob had gone out on a hike that day with a good friend. He was an experienced and conscientious hiker and he was going to do a long ridgeline hike. It was kind of like our big celebration moment or his at least for a long road trip that we were taking. And uh, we always had a plan that he would call me when he got back to the trailhead so I could know he was safe. And he'd always called. It had never been a big deal. And he didn't call that day. And I thought, well, you know, cell service might be wonky and maybe his battery is dead. I'm not going to worry about it. Because even in that moment, you're not thinking about the worst thing that could happen. You're Thinking everything's okay, everything's okay. I'm going to remind myself of that, and then as the hours went on, I started to wonder. I mean i I have a record of his texts on uh, his iPhone. They were synced to his laptop, and I can look back. I was even looking at him the other day, and I see my text to him. I'm praying for you. Hope everything's okay. Let me know your ETA, and they were never answered because. He had already been dead for a few hours. He had fallen to his death and had to be airlifted. His body was airlifted out of the National Park there in uh, Washington. And, you know, as I think about it now, I think, was there any way to be prepared for that? No, I don't think so. I mean, for all of our conversations about death and dying, there's nothing that can prepare you for what grief feels like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why talking about death is important, because in that moment where I learned of his death, where the chaplains talked to me and my best friend was holding my hands, I think I knew what to do next. I mean, I guess that's the best I could have offered Mm -hmm. to myself. But in that way, his love kind of guided me through what became an experience of physiological and mental and emotional shock.
1: Mm. You know, you, I've heard you say that you don't share a lot of details about that day and the surrounding event. And I've heard you say that you have a reason for that, that it, there, it's not just because you're like, I'm a secretive person and this is my business and not yours. What does that look like for you? And how does that help you grieve knowing that you have things that the world doesn't have?
0: You know, I think we live in a culture where sharing everything has become really commonplace. And yet there are sacred moments in our lives, things that are so precious or so painful that we need not share them. And maybe someday I'll come to a place where I can say You know, this is what that experience was like when I was standing there, and the chaplains are driving down the driveway. But you know that if I don't ever feel comfortable in saying that, that's okay. And I think when I talk to grieving people, I love to remind them that you can hold space for your heart. Mm. You don't have to lay it all out on the line. You don't have to share all the nitty gritty details. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. Mm. And I think too of how Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, we hear that in the gospel I think there are things that Mary wasn't even willing to share that she just tucked away and so in those when I think about that really 24-hour period of surrounding Rob's death I think yeah if Mary did it I can do it too
1: it's so good it's so good
2: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You know,
1: I see the work that you're doing now, which is so beneficial to so many people. And I think grief actually don't know the answer to this, I'd like you to tell me what you think about this. Grief can come with so many different things, not even just the loss of a loved one. I mean, people, we have witnessed the past 18 months, people grieving things that they We can't even explain what we're grieving, this act of, of grieving. But when I hear you talk, the hope that it gives me of where you are today versus where you were in July of 2019, I'm like, this has to be the gospel. Like It has to be that this is going, this is what's going to happen. When you look back at yourself in July of 2019. Knowing that person does that help you walk alongside grieving people? Because you kind of had this vision of like, not this try. Like, don't worry, everything's going to work out better. You're going to be fine. Not that. But you've like walked through the trenches of I'm different today than I was then. Even you said, I would look back on that day even now and feel different about it. So how do you translate into walking alongside someone that's grieving?
0: Well, I think the first thing is that I fully acknowledge that grief isn't linear. My daughter just celebrated her 16th birthday and she's my oldest. And it was everything I could do to hold it together when she was out those candles, because all I could think about was him in the hospital room crying as he, the, you know, the midwife is passing her to him. And, you know, I'm not thinking I'm not present in the moment. And that kind of experience is one I've had over the last two years over and over again. And and it's why I like to talk about grief as a companion, because when we think about grief as a companion, it's somebody that shows up unwelcome at our door and then walks with us for the rest of our life. And when you realize that, oh, I can accustom myself to this Mm -hmm. companion. Sometimes it's going to take all I can muster to be able to manage living with this unwelcome visitor. And then some days I'm going to be amazed at where I can take my grief and go. When I understand that that kind of relational experience that I have with grief, then it makes it easier to connect with people who are where I'm not anymore. Because I remember I'm not there in this moment, but I may be there again. I may not experience the acute shock and the emotional and physiological kind of response to grief that happened after sudden loss. But all of those emotions, anger, Mm. frustration, hopelessness, despair, and joy, I'm going to experience those over and over again as long as I walk with grief toward glory.
1: I've never heard anyone say like grief is this companion because... I'll be honest with you. Companion feels like somebody I want. Like we're in this together. Like you're my companion, Like you got this. <laughs> and when you say that grief is your companion for someone who hasn't walked the road you are walking, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can say, come on in and sit with me for the rest of my day. I wouldn't be like, get the heck out of here. I'm done with you. Am i sounding like other people or am I just Oh
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think also that people who have experienced deep grief will tell you that grief comes with wisdom too. And so there are moments where grief is sitting beside you, so to speak, in the school auditorium or in your business meeting. And you think, I would not understand how to Mm. care for this person, how to respond to this moment if I didn't have this unwelcome visitor beside me. And that's not silver lining. I am totally anti anti-silver lining kind of talk about grief. It's hard and it is messy and it is horrible and it is entirely a result of the fall. And yet God has given us this capacity to mourn, to be sorrowful and broken about what is broken in the world. And so I can't say it's all bad, I guess. I mean, the thing is I've interviewed a lot of people and I know you've talked to
1: a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is hard to understand if you haven't walked this road is that people that have you're all saying the same thing like you're all saying this is the worst thing i've ever gone through but i see good in it and that's hard to comprehend until you're there and because i believe in jesus and because i believe that god gives us grace for the day that we need it i can say yes i see that uh you know you're talking a little bit about like this post loss growth so how is walking through this going to help me grow as a better believer and i think that that's I love that you're encouraging people as they're walking through that, that there's this opportunity to know Jesus more in a deeper way. How does that look like personally for you of this transformation of your own personal soul and heart, maybe towards people, maybe towards Jesus that you might not have had the opportunity had you not walked through such deep loss?
0: I think that I am a person who prizes capability, and I'm sure that there are all kinds of people who feel like that, who just they admire people who have it all together Mm -hmm. or can do a lot of things, multitask or whatever. And grief has incapacitated me in so many ways. And I think part of that post-loss growth is, wow, admiring people for their brokenness, not only admiring people who appear to be capable, but saying in the lack of capability, there is beauty to be found there too. I think some of those heart changes have happened in, in and continue to happen in me over time. Things that I could have only learned through grief, and you know, whether you have been laid off, whether you have experienced a divorce, or have a child with a, a really difficult medical diagnosis, you've felt that kind of grief, and you know that that experience of loss. It changes your insides. And hopefully what we find over time is that it changes us by softening us, not Mm. by kind of calcifying us. Grief can kind of harden us and make us curmudgeonly, or I think it can just break us open. And I hope that my heart is more broken for the world than it ever was before because Mm -hmm. of what has happened in my own life.
1: You know, the work that you're doing, I'm going to ask a question that I hope doesn't come across as insensitive. Here we go.
0: (laughs) Here we go. I think you go can handle it. it. You can handle it. I can
1: tell. <laughs> the work that you're doing now, I mean, it's because you lost your husband. Mm-hmm. That has to feel a little bit of attention inside of you a little bit of, I mean, even it makes me feel an emotional upsetness for you as my new friend. Like we're friends now. I'm loving this conversation that we're having. And I feel like I'm asking you, have there been moments of like, God, I don't want to do this because I literally just want my husband back. And if my husband was here, I wouldn't be doing this. But yet you also are walking alongside people so beautifully and so compassionately and so understanding at a level that most people can't. How do you wrestle with that tension
0: and maybe you don't have it. I don't want to project my attention onto oh, no, you. No, I'm feeling <laughs> it. I would I imagine mean, the tension <laughs> that you must have. You know, I would trade it all. I would trade it all to have him back with me. I mean, it gets me choked up even thinking about it. I'm choked up and I just <laughs> met you. I would trade it all. I would trade the speaking engagements and the book contract and the you know writing opportunity. I would trade it all in a moment to have his warm body in the bed beside me every night. And yet that is not how God has ordained my life to be and i can fight that all the time or i can release myself mm-hmm. to that and it is a fight i mean it is a for sure a fight and i think it will be until jesus comes again that i will long for his physical presence with me and yet i've got to face the reality that he's not here and that God has still kept me here. So there must be a reason that I'm here. And part of my job is to figure out what God wants me to do now. You know, the path through suffering, we like to think about it's a path through suffering. But I think until Jesus comes again, suffering's just going to be with us. Yeah. And we hold the joy and sorrow of life in the same hand. So I will always miss him. And I'm going to keep doing what I can to love God and love my neighbor. And when I think about it, make him proud.
1: Yeah. Do you dream about the future though? I mean, I know you said you don't have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. What is that? Is it different for you now? And what does that Feel like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I talk to my kids about it a lot and I try to make really big dreams because maybe it's just my hedge against disappointment, <laughs> but I think it's also an attempt to not try to nail things down. So I think, you know what, someday I want to have a big bucket list. I don't know what's going to be on it, but I'm going to make a bucket list again because for a grieving person, planning like that, thinking about things that you might find delight in years later, it's really hard. It's Mm. hard for me to think about what that might look like. So make a bucket list just in general. Enjoy new relationships. That's another big one. I'm young and, you know, so many folks have said, like, oh, you know, I'm sure you'll get married again. And I don't know what God has in store. And so I'm just going to say, make new relationships because that could mean all kinds of beautiful yeah. things in my yeah. life. So I think hoping big, dreaming big without trying to nail down the specifics has been a really helpful way for me to kind of lift my eyes above the horizon and start yeah. to dream again.
1: This might be too personal. So if it is, you have every reason to tell me that's none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> but believe me, you can, <laughs> but you brought it up. I do know when Robert in his book, and you talked about you guys talked about all these things, like what does it look like if I were to die? Like, do I want you to remarry? Do I want you to move here? Do I want you to move back close to my parents? And then you just said, make new relationships. Was that something you guys talked about that Particular of like, I want you to get remarried again. Did you guys have that conversation?
0: And is it, it's none of my business, but you can do whatever you want. We did. And okay. I will tell you that I was really hardcore with him, which I feel badly now <laughs> because I was like, you cannot get remarried quickly. You need, I mean, I was setting all the standards because, of course, I'm thinking like with me in the picture still. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like you're at home be, with the kids. Yeah. yeah. There can never be another woman for you but me. But yeah, he encouraged me me to remarry, particularly if our kids were young. He said they need a dad. And I didn't want to hear that because I didn't ever want to think about someone other than him. But even in that, I'm so grateful because I've talked to so many grieving folks who feel hemmed in or caged by their loved ones' desires for them after death. And Rob released me in beautiful Mm -hmm. ways to live again. He didn't make proclamations about my career choices, about my relationship choices, or about my kids' education choices, you know, He just said, live fully. And what a gift of love that has been to me.
1: What a gift. And I'm sure that even when you think about those things, you must feel so loved by him, even in his like not being here. Like today, you're like, even having this conversation on a your you're like, oh, what a good guy. Like i loved loved. yeah. Love to- yeah. <laughs> that feels so loved that he would have that conversation with you. Well, I, I do want to ask, because some people I think are listening and they're going, how do I bring this up? <laughs> like, okay, mm. I'm going to go home. My husband and I are on a date night and we're going to like, hey, let's lay out all of our like, you know plans and what I want it to be. What is just like, if you could just give us a couple of just tidbits of advice of what does it even look like? Like for us to sit down with our spouses and have this conversation feels very scary. It feels very morbid. It feels very not necessary in some ways. Like we have other things to talk about. Like what are we doing here? Can you encourage us a little bit with how to do that and what that looks like?
0: Sure. Well, in our current climate with the pandemic, it's easy to talk about death and dying because it's kind of all around us. So you know, hearing a tidbit from a radio show or reading a headline can be an easy lead-in to say, "Hey, you know, all this stuff around me is kind of making me nervous." Do you? Mind if we talk about this together? Another easy way to do it would be to simply ask, honey, do we have a will? I mean, (laughs) it's a good starting point. Yes. How many people haven't planned for their financial future? So, even that, which is sort of devoid of emotion, you know, it's not talking about relationships or burial or funerals, all that kind of stuff. It's just real simple math. You know, talking about having a will, could I make sure that I have all the passwords to our financial accounts? You know, very basic things that amazingly a lot of couples haven't shared with each other. So, starting there is a really good way to start that conversation. In a way that's non confrontational and that can kind of open up, like we talk about birds and bees, open up to further conversation. So you get your will organized, you get your financial passwords organized, and then later on you say, hey, we've done so well in getting this organized. Do you mind if we talk about funerals and stuff? I mean, I know it's kind of morbid, but I heard this girl on Jamie Ivey and she talked about, you know, and those kind of things I think we can start to do over time. But a lot of times starting them in a really non-confrontational way can make it easy to start.
1: Yeah. You know, reading uh, your husband's book and even this conversation, it just made me think, man, you're right. We do live in this culture that this is just a really hard thing to talk about. And I think it's a hard thing to talk about because we want to kind of act like it's not ever going to happen. You know, we kind of want to, if we talk about it, that means I'm acknowledging that this could happen. So if I never talk about it, then I'm just going to like not have to think about it. And, you know, even with being Christians, like our faith is unless Jesus comes back, I mean, you know, it's a hundred percent death rate that's across the board, no matter who you believe in. But there also is, man, this isn't it. Like we have a hope that is greater than any sickness, any sudden death, any anything. And there is a little bit of celebrating involved in that. And I want to say that with the utmost respect to people who are walking through hard times. And again, I'm not there right now, so it feels easier to roll off my tongue. But there is this idea that, man, God has something so much greater planned for us on the other side of this earth. And that brings me comfort. And I don't know where you sit with that now and how that's been for you even over the last two years of thinking about that.
0: Certainly. Yeah. You know, we read a passage from the prophet Isaiah at Rob's funeral because I just needed grounding in this is not all there is and not all there is in a sort of escapist way like, oh, someday I'm going to be able to escape from all of this horrible. But Christ is going to redeem this. I mean, all of the beautiful things that I loved about my marriage with Rob, the relationship that he's going to redeem all relationships and death, it's going to be redeemed. It's going to be remade, made new. Transformed. And I needed that grounding, you know, just three weeks after Rob died. And I need it every single day because you read the news and all of the brokenness of the world can just make you feel despondent. And for those who have no hope, grief is an end unto itself. But if we grieve as those who have hope, like the Apostle Paul says, it changes everything for us, it does not make grief easier in any way. (laughs) Grief is still a very human and physical, emotional experience. But we discover that not only are we walking with grief beside us, but we're walking with Jesus beside Mm. us too. The one who has known all our sorrows, who met this unwelcome visitor before we ever did, knows how to handle it. And it's going to be the three of us walking Mm. on until the new heavens and the new earth become a reality. I'm about to just really get like Probably going to have people that know their Bibles really well come at me. But your
1: example of grief is a companion. And then you brought Jesus. Like, I'm like, I feel like Jesus is a, like that friend that knows both of us and is going to like <laughs> tell the other one when to stop talking and it's not your turn and you don't get to show up now. You know what I mean? That's like right. one friend yeah. that keeps the friend group together. Uh-huh. Jesus, our big brother, is the one that is going to handle grief and us in the most perfect way possible. That's, that's probably right. not in the Bible anywhere. You guys don't find that, <laughs> but that's what I'm feeling right now. Clarissa. I am, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. And again, and I see most of it online and Christianity Today and what you're doing. And I'm just, man, I'm just grateful that we have you as our in our church body in 2021 as someone who is leading so well in something that's so difficult.
2: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a Lifetime Membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your Lifetime Membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze relax,
2: and think about
0: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: I would love to hear from you. What are you reading? What are you loving these days? What's Mm. just bringing you so much joy?
0: so I am currently reading Andy Crouch's the tech wise family mm-hmm. and I just needed a recentering my kids are headed to school this year in person after a year of screens online at oh home. my gosh yes and we bought more laptops in the last 12 months than I ever wanted to buy and I just felt like I needed a recentering here on how technology is going to work with my family and now that I'm making the decision solo for my family I felt like I needed to be better educated and so yeah. I've been so grateful for his Voice speaking into that situation for our family. And, you know, here it's late summer. It is 90 degrees as we're talking today, super hot. And all I'm craving is burgers by the ocean. That's all I want. You know, in about Oh, goodness. Probably we'll get our snow for the first time at the beginning of November and it may last until April. And so for people who live in northern climes, this warm weather, we sweat it out and we just enjoy it to the fullest. So that's all that's on my brain these days is burgers by the ocean. Where can I get my next burger by the ocean? Because I know the days are short. Oh, my gosh. And
1: meanwhile, in Texas, it's 187 degrees today. And, and, you know, and and we will dip down into 90 in December. I mean, it's just always (laughs) hot here. I'm like, oh, man, I do want to come up and have a burger by the ocean with you at the 90 degree (laughs) weather. Of course, I have to ask you this. Are you writing anything? I'm totally digging into your personal life and your work life. Are you writing a book or anything?
0: I am. Yes. (gasps) My book with Tyndale, it's called Beyond the Darkness. Oh, this is not, this is like a thing. I didn't even know about this. It is a thing. Yes. Beyond the Darkness, a gentle guide to surviving grief and thriving after loss. It comes out in 2022. So, you know, less than a year. So I'm, yeah, I'm working on the round of edits now. I'm so excited to get it into people's hands. It's going to be practical, nuts and bolts. You know, how do I actually manage this thing called grief? Plus a lot of hope hope infused with the gospel, too. So I'm excited about that. And then I'm always writing over at the Gospel Coalition, too. It's kind of like my happy spot right over there about parenting and anything that's grief adjacent because, you know, you don't have to lose your loved one to experience Mm -hmm. loss and grief. And I think the more we talk about it, particularly in church, the better we're going to be at caring for people who are going through it.
1: I love that. And I think that's one of the things that I'm learning so much from you is caring for people who I'm walking beside. Of course, as an Enneagram Six, I like try to take your words and think, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. (laughs) But I also think it's so important for the church. You're right. As we care for those around us, because so our churches are full of grieving, hurting, desperate people. And so Clarissa, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel so known by another Enneagram Six Wing Seven, and I just appreciate you encouraging us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jamie.
1: All right, you guys, I hope that you love that conversation. I want to tell you, after we got done talking, after I turned off the recorder, after we were still just chatting, Clarissa said something to me that I have yet to forget. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing it with some other friends and I was telling her how oftentimes I will just tell myself, Jamie, it's going to be okay. Like if this happens, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And Clarissa in a very kind way said, you know what? Maybe it won't be okay, but you will be Okay. In fact, I want to just read this whole thing from her Instagram post because she wrote about this. This is what she said. She said, how many times have you tried to reassure yourself? It's going to be okay. If you've gone through tough stuff or you're going through it now, those words could ring hollow. Why is that? If you've experienced deep loss, these words can be a little white lie, a quiet whisper of control, a subtle attempt to predict or coax forth a positive outcome. The truth, of course, is that sometimes life goes sideways. Totally not okay. Sometimes life becomes so painful You're not sure you can breathe, let alone force your feet to hit the floor each morning as you rise from bed. In the midst of a not okay world, this truth stands like a lighthouse on a storm-tossed shore. You will always be okay. A simple change of sentence roots you in your identity as the beloved of Christ and centers you in gospel truth. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, not calamity or trouble or hunger or financial ruin or danger or even death. While the world may crash down around your ears, you are eternally safe, hidden in Christ. Life won't always be easy. It won't always work out as we'd hoped. It may be very, very painful at times, but come what may, you will always be okay. Your destiny is secure. Your hope is sure. You are beloved. That's straight from her Instagram. Go follow her on Instagram. It's Clarissa M-O-L-L-C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes in case you're wondering about that. But I so wish we would have had that conversation recorded. And then a few days later, I found this on her Instagram and I have been so comforted by just changing a couple of words. And I'm always going to be okay, even if it's not okay. Friends, I hope you were encouraged by this podcast today. That is our hope with every show is we want to encourage you. We want to inspire you and we want to point you to Jesus. And I think we have done that today. If you enjoyed this episode or you know someone that needs it, send it to them. We love it when you share podcast episodes with friends. To find this one super easy, go to jamieivy.com slash HH427. That is the podcast episode number 427. So it's easy for you to find. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show, because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. jamievy.com slash YouTube. The happy hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.